Hey, hey, welcome back everyone to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm your host, Tom Morcus, and today I sit down with Taylor Lou Dixon, who's the founder of Taylor Lou Coaching. Taylor is a lifestyle design coach for, quote, multi-passionate millennials. And what she does is she works with millennial women and helps them design lifestyles that they love and really enjoy. And I brought her on the call today, not necessarily to talk about that, but because what I think Taylor is doing really well is how she's building her business. And so I brought her on to talk about how she approaches branding, her own branding, how she approaches her target market. I think what she's done really well is pick a really specific niche and zoom in on it and serve that audience and that community. And I I thought it was just so great. I wanted to bring her on the call today to kind of explore how she approaches that. Because some people just, I think, I think get it when it comes to branding and target market and focus and like and, and putting stuff out there that will resonate with their audience. I think Taylor's one of those people who's doing it right. And so in today's conversation, we zoom into that kind of her backstory. We talk about her mission statement, how she defines that, how she came up with her branding and and how she approaches that idea branding. Because honestly, I don't even like that word, but it's it's appropriate here for sure. And so it's how do you make sure your images and your messaging and as everything everything that you do is consistent with with your business. And so my big takeaway from today's conversation besides just the approach to branding and niching down, which is just very evident throughout the entire conversation. In terms of actionable things that I took away, one of them was just that make sure that the stories you're sharing, they're the kind of stories that you could share that would help people and help them to trust you. So they're kind of trust building, they're helpful, they're useful. I think that's something that anybody could take and apply to what they're doing, whether or regardless if they're trying to build a personal brand or not. And so again, this is a conversation that we're, we're zooming in. It's not necessarily about lifestyle design. We don't really even talk about that, really. We just talk about how we can integrate kind of personal messaging, how we can integrate that into our brand, and how to create a cohesive, consistent brand, and, and why that's powerful and useful. So had a lot of fun on this call today. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So without further ado, let's get to it. So Taylor... Let's kick it off. I want to I want to get into how you focus on your target market, how you think about that, how you approach branding. And I say that because I don't actually like the word branding, but sometimes it's like when you see somebody with a good brand, you're like, "Oh, that person has a good brand." It's like you can spot it. I, I think a lot of people when they talk about it, it's hard to to understand like what it means, but when you see it, it's like it's there. And I think you have that the energy. Yes, right. And energy. It's not just about the visuals. It's about that those feelings that you get when you look at someone's Instagram feed, or even if you meet someone in person, yep. and you're like, "Whoa, yes, that's their." Brain. It's just like consistency across the board. You yeah. know who you're speaking to. So that's definitely what I want to zoom in today. But but I want to take a step back because I know when we we connected in person, it was like I was really fascinated by how how you got to this point. So I want to I want to take a step back so people understand what's that origin story for, and and that led into what you're doing now with your coaching and and, and the brand you're building. Yeah. So I started my first business right out of college, like two months out of college. And it came from this sense that there really wasn't a job title that fit my personality whatsoever. I did some job searching. I had had like seven or eight internships in college. And I've always been an overachiever. And I felt like in those roles... I I was specializing in social media and that's what those internships were all about. And I felt like I knew pretty much more than everyone at the organizations about social media because I was young and because it's something that I had really been passionate about. And when I got out of college, I was like looking for a good like social media-ish position. And I started to realize like I just didn't want to get paid like $30,000 a year to 
do something that, I mean, this is probably comes from just my my college mind as well that I thought I was overqualified for, right? So I... And I also have entrepreneurial parents. So both my parents were entrepreneurs. And I think that was such a gift because when I started questioning, do I want to work for someone else? Or do I want to just kind of go balls to the wall and start my own thing right out the gate? My parents were actually pretty encouraging, which I think most parents would be like, absolutely not. No way. Get a real job. Um, So that was really cool. And I was living at my parents' house for like six or seven months, just trying to figure out what what it meant to be an entrepreneur, how to get clients, how to build my brand. And at the time, I was really focused on building my business brand. And I just remember feeling so all over the place, so overwhelmed by all the things that I could be doing, right? Building the email list and going to networking events and getting on social media. And I was still just figuring out my own life, right? I was like, in kind of a toxic relationship at the time and trying to figure out how to make friends out of college. And there's just so much going on. And um, fast forward a little bit, I had some great mentors who really helped me figure out my way along that path. And then it was about year two that I felt like I really like knew what I was doing. <laughs> And so on I, that real quick, I'm I'm kind of curious. So, like, when you yeah. started, did you know what you wanted to get into at all, and or was that kind of also part of the process? Like, okay, well, maybe I have like a bunch of these skill sets or abilities or like user paths I could take and and try to. Yeah. I know there's a lot of people who struggle with that too. Yeah, so I definitely identified as being multi passionate, and at the time, my big choices or the big things that I was considering were acting, um, on camera hosting and uh, writing and social media management. And I kind of pursued all four things simultaneously for a while. And then I decided that I was going to put the social media agency in the front seat. I actually use this analogy a lot with clients. I talk about having all of your passions in one car. And you're riding along in this car with all of them all the time. You don't have to kick anyone out of the car. But at any given time, there should be someone who is in the driver's seat. So I decided to put the social media agency in the driver's seat, which made me feel just like a lot more focused. And that's when I really started turning on the hustle and um, identifying that for, for that business, I really wanted to work with franchised restaurants because I kind of fell into it through um, a family connection and then once you kind of learn the ropes in a franchise restaurant, you can kind of just like continue to get more of those same restaurants in different areas. So that was where I kind of hit my stride with the social media. And at the same time, the acting stuff just like was it wasn't sticking. It wasn't feeling like it was anything was really working well and the social media stuff was working really well. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to go all in here and see what happens. And I did that until I did that for three, almost three and a half years with that first business. So that was kind of the first iteration of my entrepreneurial pursuits and lots of lessons learned along the way. As I think any entrepreneur knows, those first like few years mm-hmm. are absolutely insane. Mm-hmm. And um, coming to the end of that period of time, I started realizing that I was feeling a really burnout. Mm. 
B, I was feeling like I just didn't give a shit anymore about mm-hmm. social media management. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt completely disconnected. At that time, I had um, I had hired a lot of contractors to do most of the account management for me. So I was in this quote-unquote awesome position, right? I was kind of living the dream. I was 24. I was 24 years old. I was making really good money. And I was just like living my life like a boss. I was traveling. I was um, just really in the eyes of a lot of people. Like I kind of had it all, but it didn't feel like that. It felt like I was missing a major piece to the puzzle. And looking back, and we can talk more about this, but looking back, I think it was because I had given up on a lot of those other passions that I had. And I was putting myself in a box. And I was living in a very, very masculine paradigm. And I think a lot of people get trapped in that energy because a lot of the way that our society defines success is through a masculine lens. And once I started going on a very deep personal development journey, and that's like a whole nother 50 stories, but it was when I got to that three and a half year mark in my first business, that's when I started asking a lot of questions. I started asking like, is this really what I want? Am I really happy? What does happiness even mean? What does success even mean? Um, And looking at my relationships and realizing that so many of them were very shallow. There wasn't a lot of depth to them. And I definitely wasn't allowing myself to show up as my true authentic self. And so um, I basically went down this big old spiritual path, which was so cool. Coming from a a Christian upbringing, a very strict conservative Christian upbringing, I definitely had a a certain idea of the way that spirituality had to look. And going, starting to ask some of these questions, it took me down so many roads that like I never knew existed. So tell me a little, I got a couple questions that came to mind while you were talking about that. So when we zoom in on the, as you got started, you you built, so you built the agency or what is effectively like an agency. Yes. Uh, and then and now you're doing kind of more, uh, it seems more focused on the coaching. Yes, 100%. There was obviously some transition or do you still do the uh, agency work? So no, that's what okay. came after the personal development work was realizing that I had been pretty much prepared my entire life to be doing exactly what I'm doing now, which mm. is lifestyle design coaching. Yep. And that was really the missing piece. A, that I had shut down a lot of my other passions. I had like thrown them out the window of the car. <laughs> and B, because I was really meant to be a thought leader. I was meant to create my own personal brand versus my business brand and be able to serve people on this really deep and transformational level. So after kind of doing my own self-exploration, I realized that I didn't want to be doing the social media agency anymore. And I wanted to help other young women to design their lives from a place of authenticity and to create their own businesses. Because I think a lot of the times creating your own business, whether it's a side hustle or your full-time gig or whatever, is pretty much the best personal development course program, whatever that you could ever pay for. So it's kind of... There's a lot in there. And I decided that I wanted to really make a career out of that. I'm curious. I want to zoom in on the... Because you mentioned this. You said like the, about throwing things out of the car. kind of. So I like the analogy. Uh, I'm kind of curious because you said you had, you'd put something in the driver's seat. So the social media, that was kind of your focus. These other things, you kind of like let go by the wayside. That was kind of like... Uh, 
uh, we'll say, no, that's a too strong. I was going to say the word crippling, but it wasn't crippling. You were still doing the work, but you were emotionally, you were that, or, or however you felt, but you weren't necessarily enthusiastic. Yeah, just yeah. Well, I feel like there's a lot of people that get there and, and, and because they, cause, cause it's kind of, you kind of have to go one dimensional like to really grow something to, to a yeah. degree. And I know that can limit and restrict people. What was it about this path going forward that allowed you to implement these other things that you felt were missing? Great question. So two things, number one, creating a personal brand, creating a personal brand based on your personal interests and your passions and what you care about is going to satisfy a lot of that restlessness that maybe you're not um, satisfying in your business. So let's say in your business, you're focusing on delivering one thing. And that's essentially what I'm doing in coaching, right? I have like really just one thing that I'm delivering over and over again. But in my personal brand, I'm talking about all kinds of stuff. I'm talking about health. I'm talking about movement. I'm talking about spirituality, which I don't bring a ton into my actual coaching. I feel a lot of freedom in my personal brand through brand partnerships and just through content creation to really present my whole self to the world, essentially. So I think to answer your question, that's personally what has made me feel like I have included a lot of these other passions. How okay, this this will tie this is a perfect segue into kind of the branding side of what you do. How do you think about then the work you do? Like the actual offer, excuse me. So the actual work you do, the offer you have, so on the coaching side, and knowing that that's kind of like focused, like I, I know you have a very specific target market and, and you help help these ladies in a specific way. Uh, but then you also mentioned like now, because you're the personal brand, there's a lot of other subjects you can touch on and talk. I've made a lot of people who have that same challenge and desire. Like there's other things they want to say or talk about. They don't necessarily know how to integrate the two. So I know that's a big question, but I'm really curious about like how you actually approach that. Like, do you, do you do compartmentalize like what you do and say, okay, this is going to be for, you know, the business side, the coaching, fill in the coaching program. But then this other stuff is like, I'm just curious about this. So this is the topic I'm going to share. I'm going to share it in my way on my platform. And I don't necessarily think much about it. Like what goes into that? How do we think about it? How do we approach this? Yeah, great question. So a lot of it is determining what your core messages of your brand are. And then there's a vehicles and topics that can fall underneath that. So I'd say what creates a lot of consistency in my brand is that I have a lot of the same messages, right? Living a life by your own design, right? That's kind of like a big message that's constantly being communicated inside of my brand. But I might talk about lots of things that fall underneath that that larger umbrella that don't necessarily have to do with... like I'm not going to coach you on health but I'm going to be posting all over my Instagram stories about like four sigmatic mushrooms in my teeth, right? So it's kind of a way where... And hopefully this is answering your question. But I think as long as you have the consistency with your messages and the consistency with what you're selling, like your core products, then it can work. Does that make sense? It, it does. It does. It's also it's probably also nebulous enough where I'm going to ask some some questions here to to zoom in because I think this is this is useful and I know it is something that people struggle with. So that helps a lot, kind of as a framework. So one of the things where my mind goes is what you just described was very. It was I could even say generic to a degree. But but when I see you implement it, there's nothing generic about it. I think a lot of people get hung up that they have to be like super original. But it's like what you just stated. Like I could probably find a you know a thousand people who are saying that they're kind of doing the same thing, but they're going to be doing it completely differently than exactly. you. Something yeah. about what you're doing is working. 
and connect with people. So I'm curious about like, you mentioned these, these like, what's your mission or, or mission statement or whatever it might be. Maybe talk me through a little bit about like how you actually approach that piece and how, how broad or how narrow should that be? And then when you, when you, and then maybe we can talk about how you actually, even that example, like the mushroom tea kind of thing, you want to highlight some kind of health, health related thing. You're interested by it. How do you tie that it, that into the other stuff that you're doing? Mm -hmm. So I'd say that my core, one of my core messages that translates directly into what I'm selling, and it's pretty simple. It's helping multi-passionate millennial women to create a personal brand that represents who they are, design a lifestyle that they love and launch a business. So it's really not all that original. <laughs> it's not all that complicated. But it's so specific. But it's very specific. Yeah, and the great. energy that I bring to it, just when I'm hopping on Facebook Lives and I'm posting things on Instagram or Facebook or in my Facebook group, and the way that I build community around that, I think is really unique and people resonate with it. And I think... I think you kind of were alluding to this that people do get scared off of like, am I too general or am I, is the industry too saturated or whatever? And like my, I just don't believe that. I don't buy into that at all because even though what I'm doing is specific, I'm not the only one doing it, not by a long shot, but I have no problem filling my programs with clients. I don't. And I think a big part of that is because I, and very visible on social media. And by the way, I don't do any paid advertising. Everything I, I do is through organic. So I show up on social media with my community. I speak my truth. I am very clear on what my brand stands for, what my brand looks like, what my brand sounds like. I have a very, um, very intentional brand identity kit. And I feel like all of those pieces make people feel like they really know me and that they're a part of my life, right? Yeah. Yeah, this is this it's fascinating cuz like I think you've done again I think you do a good job. Like I think it's um you 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 got it. I think if, if people check out your website, the Instagram and stuff you're doing it like it's very it's vibrant, it's it's catchy, it's energetic. Again, like I think that's what's actually really fascinating. You also so on the, on the broader side like your mission like there there's like a so is that so that that mission you gave or that you just stated that was that's the mission. And that one's actually specific. Yeah. Okay. That's so the mission, that's the mission for my business. Got it. And and so then so then it's like I guess so let me let me just take this one step further then kind of roll with the same example. Knowing that that's your mission and and maybe I want to extract a little bit out of that as well, but just just roll with this for now. You're focusing on say millennial women, you're helping them, you know, build, build businesses that reflect them or or, or I, I I butchered your statement that you just gave me, but we got the idea. You got it. That's pretty much it. <laughs> right. So so the point is that you're helping them do that kind of stuff. When you take a step back from that though, and and then you do highlight things like, I don't know, whether it's like, okay, health or, you know, other ideas that aren't necessarily like rel um well, it's not that they're not relevant. It's that they're, they're not specifically tied to say the business aspect of it, but the, but it's relevant because it's still, you're still that, well, I guess part of it is that you're actually part of that demographic, right? That you're leading. Yes. Is that a helpful piece of it? Is that, do you recommend that or what? Well, yeah. Talk me through that. Yeah. So I resonate deeply with that demographic because that's who I am. And also I would argue that something like, again, using the mushrooms example, that still very much falls under the mission of like designing a life that feels true and authentic for you, right? So even though... And that, this is so great about a lifestyle brand. And that's why I think the whole influencer movement is moving more and more towards this. And what, you're, what we're seeing is that 
people don't want to buy from a corporate brand anymore. They want to buy from an influencer who doesn't even necessarily have their like, I help statement or really like that really specific problem that they solve. They don't. It's like you see some influencer profiles and it's like, you know, mom and yoga enthusiasts and blah, blah, blah. And guess what? They're making money. They're making money because they're designing a brand based on their everyday life and in their core messages and the things that they care about. And they're showing up consistently and oftentimes getting really vulnerable about what their journey looks like. And people are resonating with that. So I think, I think, you know, going from, okay, how do we mix the business and the lifestyle or the business and the brand? It's all one in the same. It's all one in the same. It's really just kind of positioning yourself a little bit as a public figure and people gravitate towards that. And then they find out what you're selling and they're like, yes, that sounds cool. You seem like you love your life. Your business is doing well. Your brand is on point. Let me buy from you. Okay, this is this is interesting because yeah, I, it all makes sense to me. Like what you're saying, I think it's easier said than done, and totally. that, but that's but that's one one of the differentiators. So you kind of got to know what you're doing first, and then you have to implement it the right way. So knowing that we're not going to be able to know like exactly the right steps just from this conversation, but at least to get us started, you mentioned something about, about a brand kit or something like that, or or, or yeah. walk me. Can you walk me through that or like that? That what do you the way you approach this? Uh, with yeah. students or however you however you do it. Yeah, definitely. So there's a lot to it. Can't probably. Sure you know, walk through everything today, but on a really high level, it's all about showing up intentionally and showing up intentionally just in your everyday life and in your brand. So I actually have a gigantic Google document that contains like all things, my brand, all of my brand guidelines, all of my core messages. I have a, um, I have a mood board and my fonts and my colors. And so you'll see in things like my Instagram feed that there's lots of yellow, there's lots of green, there's lots of sunflowers, which you can see behind me, um, brown and the color of my hair because it's you know going to be in any photo anyways. And so I have the visual aspect, which I think is what most people think of when they think of branding. They'll hire a brand designer to create their, their brand, which is essentially a brand identity kit as well. They'll hire a designer to create that. And then they think that they're done with the brand. But with a lifestyle brand or for someone who's multi-passionate, that's usually not going to cut it, right? There's so much more to branding than just... And even your core messages. So like I said, there's a lot to this. But even simple questions like, you know, what kind of energy do you want your brand to emanate? So for you, looking at my brands looking at my website, looking at my Instagram, what are three words that pop into your head about my brand? Uh, high energy. Uh, um, you know, yeah, it's, uh, I'd say, yeah, energetic, uh, obviously inspiring, uh, for, for obviously for the people you're speaking to. So high energy or energy, energetic, inspiring. I'd say it's, uh, well, feminine. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that come to mind. I mean, mm -hmm. free mm -hmm. immediately. Uh, what else? Yeah. What, what were you, what do you, what do you gear? Am I, am I close? Yeah, you're definitely close. Those things are all in my brand identity kit. Um, also, vibrant is another like core piece to that. I just want people to feel this like overwhelming wave of like positive energy mm. when they come to any piece of content that I create, any t piece of content that I put out. So, I'd say there's just a lot of the the high level work that needs to be done. And the reason why this is so difficult for people is because it's really hard to see those pieces in yourself. 
right? And I even have lots of clients who do branding for other companies or other businesses or other people. And like, they kill it at that. But then when they come to me and they're like, I don't know what my like core messages are. I don't know. Like, I don't know what my mission is. I don't know how to communicate, you know, my brand voice. So another quick tip that's, you know, good takeaway for listeners is coming up with your brand voice persona. So this is something that I like to have people do to give kind of a character to your brand voice. So my brand voice persona is kind of like that. Really positive, upbeat, but also no-nonsense best friend that is going to tell you straight up, like, this is what you need to be doing and asking you those hard-hitting questions, but in a really loving and supportive way. So I have like two pages on what my brand voice persona is. Then does that help you actually like write your content and produce it? Like do you then th- think, oh, this is maybe a message I want to share. Maybe you write it and then you're like, oh, wait a second. Maybe like, um, take me through that process. Because I think if I had something like that, maybe then I would rewrite it or rework it and be like, oh, this is actually, this seems too yeah. negative. I got to be more positive here. I got to spin that. So talk me through how this is, uh, yeah, practically so- speaking, helps you. After creating, you know, some sort of document or some sort of guidelines when it comes to your brand. And again, there are things on there that's like the fonts that I choose in my Instagram stories. And then things like what is my brand voice persona? And when I write a piece of content, at this point, I just kind of I just kind of know it. Like I don't need to like right. review it anymore, but for people who are just starting out, definitely and I have clients do that do this all the time. They'll write something, they'll look at their their brand kit and their brand guidelines. And they might see, okay, this doesn't, this sounds actually really formal, what I wrote. This sounds very like didactic and almost like a, like a teacher. And then they look at their brand and they're like, wait, I said that I wanted to be like, um, you know, using the latest lingo or like very relatable or personable. And then they look at what they wrote. And this is actually a real life example. It's happened not that long ago. They look at what they wrote, they wrote and they're like, this isn't my personality at all. This is how I think I'm supposed to be writing to convert or to get followers, or they've kind of like stolen a voice from someone else. So I think that's another good benefit of like having these things written out in front of you is that I see a lot of people who are just mimicking other people's style. And that's never going to work for you like it works for that person. Mm. How do you help through, how, how do you help a student or a client through that though? Because I, I imagine that that's kind of where it begins typically. I mean, some people are just like on point. They just like are who they are. I get it. But a lot of us are just like, I think when we start out, it's like trying to figure out, well, yeah, what, what should this look like? What is the proper way to do things? Sometimes that spills into when it comes to say personal branded type stuff. It's like, okay, what is the persona that I should be uh, putting forward here? And I, and I know that's, that's one of the dangers. It's one of the reasons I typically don't like even the topic of this, because I feel like it engi- it forces you to engineer something that maybe is not you. But like when I see it done well, then I like have to respect it, and I think there's something there. So how do you how would you work through that if somebody is like you're working with a client, she's imitating somebody or trying to mimic someone? Even this example that you just gave. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a great question. And what's really important here is that things like your brand persona or your brand was built from you, from your highest, most authentic self, not just like what you want to sound like. And that's why actually the personal development piece is a really important part of my process. Because in that piece, we talk about things like your best self. You know, how do you show up when you are your best self? How do people describe you when you're showing up as your best self? So when I think of things like your brand, it's kind of like your best self. 
Now, of course, you're not going to be like, my brand is me on my worst days when I'm like super nasty and terrible. No. But although it is good to like get vulnerable and share those times through your posts, your, your larger brand is actually a representation of your best self. And that is you. That's not, that's not like some fake imaginary thing that you're just like creating. That's you. So that's why we look a lot at who you are as a person, how you show up naturally. And a really quick exercise that I give students a lot as I have them interview their friends and family, asking them things like, how would you describe me in three words? Or, you know, what would you say is, are my strengths? How, what is my energy like? What do I inspire you to do? Things like that. Because then it comes from a very natural, organic place of like, well, this is just how you're showing up on your day-to-day, in your day-to-day life when you are your best self. And then we take that information and translate it into the brand. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, actually. Those, those are, I, I feel like that's those kind of questions. I've, I've heard that before in some context, like something's very similar. Maybe it's in the acting space, actually. Mm. Uh, and maybe finding, because I'm working, yeah. But I, I think it's interesting because it's like one of those things that comes back to, it's so useful, I think. To, you need a sounding board. You need a mirror. So yeah, I don't know if it was in the context of this, but I've, I've, I've heard something very similar to those kind of questions that I think it's so simple. It sounds like you could probably eat. Would you, would you get on a call with who would be the people you would actually recommend, like gives you the best, best feedback. It's like, is it your, is it your mom or dad? Or is it like your, your family or is it friends, somebody that's in your target market? Who do you want to speak to about that? I'm curious, like to get the real, like genuine feedback on that piece. Yeah. So I would say it depends because everyone, you know, parents and friends and partners are going to be different, but I would say you would want a mixture because you want a mixture of people who you know are going to tell you like straight up what they think. And then you want people who are going to be super encouraging and supportive. And then also the people that... Because the thing is, is you want to take all this with a grain of salt. And because there, there are some things... And actually, it's just a great, yeah. a great personal development tool because sometimes people realize that the way that they're showing up is not the way that they want to show up, right? So there's kind of this other aspect to it. But also I would say just choosing a variety of people who you know have different opinions, kind of picking and choosing from that what really resonates and feels true for you. Got it. And so the other piece of that though, so I was getting the feedback and then it was like what you're you're trying to, with that, you're not trying to, you're trying to get, if you're being selective, you're being selective in the pursuit of like, what is the true, the truth? Like, even if it's, even if it's harsh, even if it's not like the thing you want to hear, that's probably useful. Um, But then also to find out what the, what your best self is. And then you said applying it then to your, your business and your industry. So one of the things that if I, if I hear your kind of story, I think to myself, or I know people would think uh, and have like, it might make comments like this or, or see it and think, okay, well, you're doing a lifestyle design business. So then that's why all these things work. I'm curious, do you work with clients who are not re- like doing lifestyle design? Like does the same, does the same stuff work? Like when it comes to this branding, kind of sharing your personal story, even if I'm not like a coach or something like that, even if I'm maybe in a professional service or doing something else, do you, is it, where, where is this most applicable and, and where does it kind of fade off? And you, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally makes sense. Yeah. So I would say that it is helpful when you're selling lifestyle design services or specifically coaching services. You know, okay. if you have a coaching business, a personal brand is absolutely everything. Yeah. And I have lots of clients who are interior designers or graphic designers or you know have more service-based business outside of the lifestyle. 
And they are absolutely still building their brand in a very similar way. So sharing the personal story aspects, because the thing is when people feel connected to you as the business owner, they are much more likely to buy from you. It's just, we're seeing this, we're seeing this as more and more as something that's coming up. And even a lot of these big brands that are not anything to do with lifestyle design, you see them really talking about the different people in their companies and you know the human aspect of it. Mm. So I think that while yes, this process does lend itself really well to someone with a business like me, I also think I think it's the future personally. Yeah. Well, and that's what I'm wondering though too. Like, uh, yeah, where 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 you'd approach that, and in, in terms of how how you might approach. So, well, I guess so if I understand this correctly, because I, I kind of agree with this, it's like you we're kind of in a space now where if your if your name is associated with something, if you do use your name, you probably you want to have some people are going to search you. They, what are they going to find? So you have that ability to can, kind of control that uh, that first uh, first impression. And then beyond that, and, and kind of like set the stage for the story you want told about you, so to speak, is maybe a way to think about it. For people who are doing like, uh, say, professional services, or people who are even even some like CEOs or um, people who are looking to start something on the side, maybe even just professionals who are employed, I feel like there's benefit to doing something like this. I guess what I wonder is like, to what degree? I know yours, you, you go down a track that is, I think, really uh, can be challenging, which is like, and probably where some people might be like, it's like, oh, do I have to share everything about my life? It's just probably there's a lot of people who are like, no thanks. But I know there's, it's, I know it's not that. It's like, it, you, can, you can piecemeal this, you could choose, you could be specific about the things you choose to share. When you work with clients, again, like what are the types of things you might recommend sharing versus not? If there's like a framework that you, and I know that's a lot of nuance to that question. It's probably very specific and, and you need specific examples. But I'm curious, like, what are the types of things that you would encourage? Like if you were working with somebody on their brand, to help them like build that out and say they're not doing coaching, but maybe something else, but you still think there's a value to this. What are the types of things you would have them kind of like uh, showcase or, or selectively share? Mm -hmm. So I think for anyone, no matter if you're wanting to go like full Monty, bury yourself raw, this is my life. Like this is what I've been through. Or you're just kind of wanting to keep it a little bit more service level. I think it starts and ends with your personal story. And getting really good at telling that story and storytelling in general. So what I would probably look at with someone who, you know, is, is going less the vulnerable route, we would still look at what are those main stories that you can share that will allow your ideal client, your target demographic to really resonate with that. So even let's say, I'm trying to think of like a, a random example, like someone... Maybe real estate. Maybe yeah, I was, just, I was just thinking real estate. I was thinking either commercial thinking or... Yeah, seriously. I was actually going to bring so up a, a commercial broker or or if we just thought just real estate in general. Okay, you're selling real estate because it's like that's one of those cases where it seems... I mean, they always like they always have their faces like on the side of buses and stuff like that. So they're kind of doing it already. Yeah. It's like yeah. if you were working with somebody like that, what are, what are the kind of things you would highlight um, for real estate? Because it's like, yeah, it's local. But what, what, you know, how would you approach that? Yeah. So again, we would look at what are the stories that you can tell? What, have, what are the stories that you feel like are important to share that someone feels like they can trust you? I think that that's the biggest thing. So for example, I, and I've seen people in real estate, I don't get a lot of real estate clients personally, but I see a lot of um, peers and friends who do actually talk a lot about 
you know, I was meeting with this client and I was showing them this house and that the chimney reminded them of the house where they grew up in. And nothing makes me happier than to be able to provide that experience and to someone because it's a house is more than just, you know, a place that you put your stuff. You know, a house is where your home is. And anyways, I could go for days, but <laughs> I, I like do... that. So what, what is what you're doing is you, you're showcasing like a third party in that case. And that's a very simple way. I think a lot of people can wrap their heads around that. It's like showcase some, so showcase one of your clients, showcase the work you're doing, showcase yes. other people. If you, so if you don't want it to come back personally to you, it's like you, you feel awkward about sharing your own personal stuff uh, to a degree. It's like you could, it sounds like you can do that by making the highlights, the object, somebody else or something else. And then you can tie in your personal story to it. Totally. I feel like I just yeah. had a breakthrough here. Yeah. I think that makes yeah. content a lot easier. Yeah. And a lot of it, it really is just as simple as storytelling. Like a great example is the other day I was sitting next to this woman at the nail salon and she just could not make up her mind about what color nails that she wanted. She was like looking over at me and see what color nails I had. And she was asking the nail tech, what about this one? But what about this one? And it seemed like she needed all these opinions outside of her own to actually make a decision. Right. And I was just sitting there in my mind and I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, come work with me. <laughs> I will help you really figure out like, what are your own opinions? What do you really ah, want? That's good. So anyways, again, you could yeah. go on with that story, but that's a simple example of just like something that I saw on my day to day. And I shared that story on social media. And a lot of people resonated with it because it's also kind of a metaphor in a way. Mm -hmm. um, and metaphors, and this is a whole other route. I'm, I'm very into the reprogramming of the subconscious mind. I'm certified in, in NLP and hypnotherapy. And um, the subconscious mind understands metaphors very, very well. It's very... It kind of allows the, sub, the conscious mind to go to sleep. And for that metaphor, that message to sink directly into the subconscious mind. And that's another reason why we love stories. Like we love movies. We love entertainment. And if you can kind of provide that entertainment aspect, that metaphor, that story for your, your social media audience or for your clients, then you're like, that's like a straight shot right into having them actually pay attention and internalize what you're saying. Because we're tuning out all the salesy stuff. Mm, yeah, totally. Especially the millennial generation. Yeah. We don't want to hear any of that anymore. The second we think we're being sold to, eh, turn off. Yep. So that's why I think, and this is kind of coming full circle a little bit, I hope, the personal branding stuff, learning how to, to navigate that, I think is become, going to become more and more crucial when it comes to, to sales. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's 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 going to be interesting to see what happens, but I think it's it's without a doubt like that that's happening. The other thing I I see happening is you kind of mentioned this earlier, but it's like a thought I've been having quite a bit is the long tail and the, like the long tail of the long tail. So like the long tail is like a Pareto distribution, and so you're probably familiar with it. But like I know I think it was what um, gosh, it was the guy that wrote over at Wired, and now I'm blanking out his name. Who wrote the long tail, the book by the same name? But basically, you look at any market. And you're going to see that there's a few people or a few products that get the majority sales, and then they go down over time. Uh, like, or, or as so, the the number one product gets the most sales. The number two product is probably like what you know, three fourths that, maybe half, maybe, and it goes down, right? So it's like the lion's share always goes to the mainstream. But what you're seeing is that because of connectivity, people getting online, the 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 increase in demand 
and and now the ability to supply with very little overhead to do these kind of things, you're seeing it's like just by pop just by putting yourself out there with like what you're doing, you're able to attract this audience. It doesn't matter like you, you know it, it doesn't matter that there's other people already trying to to leverage that market or anything like that. It's just the nature of it is that there will be people who are interested in who you are. It's like that as that being the def, that being the defining like thing or that's the reason they work with you is because of you. That's hap- I see that happening a lot. So it's like this long tail, the long tail. It's like pick a market. You know, you're going to be in a long tail anyway. But then you, your personal brand, are kind of you're kind of the thing that sets it apart. And so there's this I don't know a whole another rabbit hole to go down with long tails. But it's like just this idea of like niching down, getting really hyper specific, like you did. Um, I think is the way to go. And and now you could branch out if you want. Like I'm sure. What's interesting is I'm sure you have a lot of people reach out to you who do not fit the description. Yes. Of the people you work with. I do get some so, okay, outliers. Tell, tell I feel like that's got to be what that that's what happens when you get really specific. Yeah. So, well, surprisingly, I actually do get the majority of people who are right in my niche. Yeah. Um, and I think it's because I do a good job with branding and um, where I show up online. And I occasionally get people who reach out who are like I had in my I guess two two group programs ago of my signature group program. I had a girl who was seventeen and she reached out to me and she looks older. And so I had no idea how old she was. And we hopped on a call. And again, she seemed mature. And we were, she's starting her own business in her small town of Illinois and starting a boutique. And I was just so impressed by her. And then she mentioned something about being in high school. And I was like, high school? <laughs> You're in high school? But I really felt like she had a very mature spirit about her and that she was very serious about wanted, what she wanted to do. And so... The energy still matched the group, even if the age range was off. So I think, you know, not getting too stuck in the age range is important, even though like the millennial thing is like huge with what I do. And then I've also worked with people who are like in their 40s. And again, I have someone in one of my programs right now who's 40 something. And she said that she was looking at other similar group programs that had people more her age and the energy, the vibe just wasn't right. And this mm. kind of goes back to branding too, because she said that there was something about me, something about my energy and the things that I was talking about that really resonated with her. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, I know we could go down a whole, whole nother rabbit hole, but I also know like, this is great stuff. So this is really useful. I, I think this is a lot for people to take in to kind of get started to think about the personal brand. I think you gave some great specifics too. I actually really like the, the points on, I haven't written down here. The brand is a representation, representation of your best self. What are the stories that you could share that would help people to trust you? The importance of, of niching down, getting really kind of really focused and narrow. So I think you gave us a lot of great stuff. Taylor, where can people reach out to find you? I know you, your coaching is basically booked out, but maybe by the time this airs and when people are listening to it, maybe you'll have some openings. So where can people reach out to find you, connect with you and learn more about what you're doing? Yeah. So I know you guys are surprised, but Instagram is probably the best place to find me. Taylor Lou Coaching is my Instagram handle. Um, I also have a Facebook group called Professional Dreamers with Taylor Liu. So feel free to check that out. It's a little small group that I try to keep really intimate so that... And again, this is something else we could have talked about today, but relationships is my whole business. That's what I care about. And so um, if you're listening to this, please reach out. Say hi. Tell me what you liked about this episode. I really enjoy actually connecting with people and getting to know people and not just having like numbers on my Instagram or in my Facebook group. It's really important to me to actually get to know people. So those are two great. 
And, and I know also uh, taylorlukecoaching.com slash dreamcatcher, which is the program. I think it's pr- filled up now. It might have openings in the future if you guys are curious about the one of the group coaching programs you have. So that'll all be in the show notes as well. Taylor, thank you so much for being on In the Trenches. This was a, a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. I feel like you had some great questions on branding and challenged me a little bit. And I love that. It's good. It's good stuff. That's why we're here to, yeah. to learn by, by having these conversations. So this is great. Thank you, Taylor. You're so welcome. Are you trying to grow your online business, but struggling to get new customers consistently and predictably? Are you tired of working nonstop only to see your income plateau? Are you ready to step off the hustle hamster wheel, as I call it, and step onto a path of predictable profit that you can scale as much or as little as you want? Don't worry, you're not alone. I've been there. When I first got started, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. So I started reading blogs and listening to podcasts by people I respected and wanted to learn from. I slowly but surely put their recommendations into practice. But because I wanted to do it all myself, maybe you, you're something like that, right? You love to do, do it by yourself, learn through trial and error. Well, bottom line is it took forever. Results were unpredictable when I was first getting started. I wasn't sure where to spend my time, money, and energy. And shiny penny syndrome got the best of me on more than one occasion. For many entrepreneurs, the amount I sacrificed, working literally nonstop in some cases in my spare time, and 12 and 14-hour days routinely after going full-time, combined with the endless fog of war, aka that uncertainty that I had to deal with at all times because I was going it alone, I think that would have been enough for most entrepreneurs to throw in the towel. But I was persistent, focused, and I stayed humble. Day after day, I worked to grow the traffic to my website, increase my list of subscribers, and generate a healthy living for my eBooks, eCourses, and other digital products. At least that was the goal. But maybe more important than the work was that I paid attention to what I was doing, including what worked and what didn't. Eventually, I discovered a predictable pattern of growth. And so what I did was I just doubled down on those things, and I scrapped or sidelined the other things that weren't working so well. Finally, two years after resigning my commission as a captain in the army and going full-time on my online business front with my blog, with my podcast, et cetera, I replaced my income with digital product income. Two years. And so if that's where it stopped, I would have been happy with it. I would have been happy with the results. I wouldn't have complained. I would have been very content just replacing my income. But the bottom line is it was so much work. I wanted to you know, see if it could go somewhere else, right? So I just kept doing what I was doing, but better, faster, and more effectively. Again, just kind of applying the same system that I discovered uh, from seeing these patterns emerge, right? So I implemented it, I kept doing it. And eventually replacing my income turned into doubling my income. And then that turned into a little bit more and a little bit more. But not just that, it afforded me the freedom to dictate my day and also choose the projects I want to work on, on the schedule and on the timeline I want, and to work with the people I want to work with. And to me, that's like a whole new level of freedom, especially coming from the military. It's something I've never really had that level of complete autonomy until I became my own boss. I started my own business. And until ultimately, until it became profitable enough for me to start to take a step back and actually reap the rewards of it, because it's not all just working, working, working. And I do believe it's hard work. And I'll always say that nothing about doing this stuff is easy. But at the same time, you've got to reap the rewards at some point and take some of that profit, uh, even if you're just reinvesting it into new assets and things like that. Bottom line is, it can't just be work, right? Entrepreneurship and business is about that result that occurs, the value you've created and the profit, that, that piece of value that you've captured, okay? 
And you want to be able to reap the rewards of that profit, of that value, that little sliver of value that you get to capture, that you get to net, right? You want to be able to take advantage of that. Otherwise, you know, the entrepreneurship game really does become just a grind. And, and for, I think, a lot of entrepreneurs, unfortunately, it becomes meaningless, and that's when they quit. Well, for me, I love this stuff. I really, truly do. I mean, it is my thing. And so that's why I didn't just stop where I was at. I've stayed committed to learning everything I can about all aspects of this online business world and this online marketing world. And I do this through real world application. In other words, I'm currently growing several online businesses and I'm always putting my ideas to the test in real time with my own money, with my own time and energy, oftentimes with employees, you know, a lot of some, some stuff more advanced, some stuff more simple, but you know, so varying levels of complexity and again, in different spaces, different niches. And I can say, you know, bottom line, I've always loved the startup hustle, but I got to say, it's nice to now be in a position where I can get big results with much less effort. Thanks to having built the foundation of my business the right way. And again, I did it all through trial and error, but I don't think that that's the way that everyone needs to do it. And in fact, looking back on it, if I had to redo it, I don't know if I would. It was so difficult to just go it alone and try to figure everything out by myself. So one of the things I've tried to do is give back with this podcast, with my blog, and with my newsletter. But maybe even more rewarding than any of this stuff, while I've enjoyed all of it, I think the thing that I'm enjoying the most, that I find most engaging and rewarding, is the premium business mastermind and coaching program I run called 100K Academy. Inside 100K Academy, I help ambitious entrepreneurs who are very driven and excited to be doing what they're doing. I help them grow their reach, their influence, and their profit using my proprietary marketing system. That's the same one I use to scale my own online businesses from zero to multiple six figures and beyond, and the same system I use to help my clients reach the New York Times, Wall Street Journal bestseller list, set Kickstarter funding records, and create viral product launches that have turned into predictable revenue streams. So lots and lots of case studies that you can find at tommorcus.com. If you're curious, just go to tommorcus.com slash about, and that'll get you started. Most importantly, this system is one that 100K Academy members and alumni have used to achieve tremendous results, like Alexa, who used it to have her most profitable year ever, or Tina, who used it to make five figures from a sales funnel that she can now replicate and scale, and that's exactly what she's doing, or Carrie, who made over $75,000 in just seven days. And the crazy part about his story was that his online business was actually a side hustle up until that first profitable launch, which he has then been able to grow and scale. And he subsequently quit his job following that very successful week. And I think that that has been just a game changer for Carrie and the life he's living and the work he gets to do and the impact he gets to make on the world because of the great work he's doing now, because he was able to figure out a system that would get him the targeted traffic, the subscribers, the sales to grow a profitable online business. Bottom line, if you want to grow your online business from six to seven figures, but you flatlined or you're struggling, or you just want to be told what to do and when to do it and in what order, right? And you want a system that is predictable and scalable and isn't just you know another shiny penny, but actually will fit right into your business. It plugs in and is something that you can truly grow. I want you to go to tommorcus.com slash academy. That's tommorcus.com slash academy. Academy is spelled A-C-A-D-E-M-Y. Go to tommorcus.com slash academy, and you'll find a page on my website with more details about 100K Academy, the business mastermind coaching program I run, as well as instructions on what to do next. Again, that's tommorcus.com slash academy. And if you're serious about growing your reach, influence, and profit, just follow the instructions and we'll be in touch, okay? Again, tommorcus.com slash academy. Go ahead and head over there now. That's it for today. Stay frosty.